people can just, you know, they can adjust as they go. You know, it's not the, it's not the, that's the end of the world. That's pretty much what this time is you know, all that's, about. I mean, because I mean, we don't need to pressure people. We don't need to. We don't need to force people into strange corners, little areas that they don't want to go. Everybody's comfort zone is a little stretched. It's a little thin right now, Diane. There's a little transparency there, so we have to acknowledge that. We have to make allowances uh, for those kinds of things. It's <laughs> 8.02 a.m. Saturday, April the 18th, 2020. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane Show. <laughs> Here we are. Another week has come and gone. How did that happen? Was I doing does, something to... Does I, time seem strange to you now? Time seems... Everything <laughs> seems strange to me now. I was like... Yesterday, remember, I came downstairs and I said, "Well, there was that was very interesting." And you said, "What?" And I said, "Well, I just, I suddenly was up out of my seat, thinking, oh, crap! You know, it's, I need to put the garbage out.' It's Tuesday." I got myself a cup of coffee here, and I'm going to take me a sip. And it was Friday, <laughs> and I was yeah, halfway down the stairs before I realized, "Why am I thinking it's Tuesday?" I've known all day that it's Friday, and then suddenly it was Tuesday. When, yeah. yeah, so yeah, things are a little. The only thing that alerts me to the days is uh, when I have Zoom meetings with my teammates, which has been more frequent these days. Is it? Yes, we actually even did a, a lunch on Wednesday. We all just had a yeah, Zoom Yeah, I was lunch. upstairs. I was upstairs minding my own business. Suddenly there's a party going on downstairs in my, <laughs> down in my house, and I'm like, what the heck? And I'm, you know, I kind of peek around the corner, and Diane's staring at her computer. <laughs> And laughing and eating her lunch. All right. All right. This is not the way it's supposed to be. This is not culture. As I have been, uh, you know, born and it's been bred into me my whole life. Of course, the whole world of screens was not something that uh, I grew up. For me, it was the Dick Tracy two-way wrist TV phone watch thing. You know, everything was science fiction. And now it's like... Everybody's in their little isolation stations. And, you know, ice station zebra calling it. Pardon me, I'm going to have another drink of coffee. You, <laughs> boy. I don't know how it's supposed to be. It's good coffee. Yeah, they thought that back then, they thought that everybody would be having their conversations on their televisions, right? And no, now... video phones. They were going to be, yeah. your telephone would still be on the little table around the corner in the alcove, and yet, but there would be a screen on it. Why did they think it would still be on that table in the alcove, uh, or at the top of the <laughs> stairs where the phone always went? Remember when you when the phone rang, you went to the phone and picked it up. Yes. And it was like in that area, and you know if you were lucky, you were one of those families that had the long cord on the phone so that you could actually take it from the little alcove at the top of the stairs into the kitchen, or you could or you could take it into the living room and actually sit down in a chair. Or some people had a little chair sitting next to the phone table. It's yeah, like we f- did not have a lot extra long cord. Yeah, well, we didn't either. But the, the phone was like a was like its own had its own thing. Yeah. And I remember the luxury because we knew Roger Freeland. Roger Freeland was uh, uh, the guy who lived down the street. And, uh, the Freeland kids were our first best friends when we were kids. And one time, because Roger Freeland wrote, worked for Ma Bell, worked for the Bell Telephone Company, he came over and he installed phones in my sisters in my rooms. Wow. And these phones were not official phones. They were like, you know, underground phones. 
because the the phone company would charge you extra for the number of extensions you had in the house. Yeah. These were not officially. He knew how to wire them so that they would so that Ma Bell couldn't tell that they were there. The phones wow. didn't ring, but the one in my room and it was this antique. It was like a Perry Mason phone that I had got. I don't know where I got it. I don't know if Roger got it for us, but the thing weighed like ten pounds. And my sister had this white, more modern kind of phone in her room, but I liked that classic Perry Mason phone. And uh, it would vibrate a little bit when, it, when the phone rang downstairs, and mine would just go, so I could always tell when the phone was ringing, I could pick it up. But it was so cool to be able to make phone calls from my room. I bet. Yeah. Well, when I was in high school, because when you're a kid, I don't remember even using the phone when I was a kid too much. Um, but when I was in high school, we had a phone in the, the den, the kind of office area, and a phone in my parents' room, right by the bed. And I remember making a lot of, you know, having a lot of phone calls where I'd be talking to a boyfriend or something in my parents' room. I guess my father one time came in and took a picture of me talking on the phone because I'd been talking so long to a friend, you know. <laughs> yeah, being being on the phone too long. I was like part of adolescence was, you know, they're always on the phone, you know. So what if there's an important call coming in and you know I know. tying up the phone line, talking <laughs> to your girlfriends and, you know, and stuff like that, you know, it was like that was a whole thing. That entire element of culture is now I missing. Know. It's so strange. And remember the wall phones? You'd have a, like in your kitchen, you'd have like a phone mounted up on the wall. There was a phone mounted on the wall in this kitchen when I, I first know. arrived here. I know. It ain't there no more. It ain't there no more. But I'm talking about before there were even the little plugs where you could unplug the phone, you know, with the little, with the little push-up nub. You know, the phones were hardwired into the wall. So if you wanted to walk into the other room, you had to have one of the longer extension thingies but even those were hardwired into the phone so you did not have those kind of options wow those were, the days. those were the days how did we get onto that tangent we were talking about the, are the these screens people still, hello are we still is, <laughs> are these people still even here i guess they are screens yeah yeah and you would never have thought about recording on something that wasn't connected to oh i know some sort of a box or something, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. To just be doing it on this little Mr. Mike and having yeah. it be such good quality. And right. Yeah, it used to be. I mean, yeah. If there was something this small that you were recording on, then it would be like one of those little dictaphone things with the micro cassettes in them that was just horrible sound quality. Now we got something that's even smaller than one of those, and it's, it sounds really good. Well, right. I think that that's the hard thing about science fiction is imagining what the things would be around you if everything had changed around you. I mean, I mean, speaking of this time right now, I think that people who just want to go back to, air quotes, normal, um, aren't realizing that this is, that maybe this is the time that we can break through to something that's better than what we had as the normal. Yeah. And that's kind of my, I feel like, let's try to imagine something. But the problem is, imagining something is not that easy. Right. Um, and, you know, this whole world that we're in now where the air is cleaner and things smell yeah. better and, and you can see the mountains in the distance, stuff, that's not normal. 
I know. That's not the normal that, that our, our leaders want us to get back to. That's right. Yeah. So there's going to be resistance. Well, and also a lot of the people that I'm talking to who are teleworking are saying that at first, and this is true of myself as well, at first it was just like this slam of, oh my God, you know. But then all of us have developed these patterns that are healthier. Like I've been walking in the morning. I take a five-minute walk uh, at a break. I take another walk at noon and another five-minute walk in the afternoon. And and I'm eating better and because I can cook my own food and I don't have to because go out. Because you've got out time to pay and, attention to yeah. those things. You've got the uh, bandwidth in your consciousness to do that because so much of people's lives are wrapped into getting to work and getting from work. There's a That's there's right. a series of protocols that are daily involved with that and those protocols supersede all kinds of other things that you could do with that time where you're not you know, under the pressure to do those particular things. So. Well, and just as an example, one of my coworkers, I mean, uh, an example of thinking outside of the box, one of my coworkers said at our, our lunch um, party, he said, oh, by the way, everybody, you might want to cancel your U-Pass, which is the bus pass that we pay for through our checks every month. Right. Because he said, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not taking the bus even when we can go back. I'm going to be driving it. And I was going, oh, my God, yes, that's true. It's like what 50 bucks heck? a month, right? Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. So. so there you go, people. What's different? What's the same? What does getting things back to normal actually mean and how normal do we want things to get back to and uh, what's the new normal going to look like I think this is a this is the kind of cultural shakeup wherein a lot of good changes can be made and uh, hopefully you know several of them will happen I don't know yeah I don't know anyway this this week has been very pleasant, a lot because of those walks that I was talking about. The air is so fresh, and the trees are beautiful. They are blossoming, and watching the little birds flitting back and forth. At really flitting birds, Diane. Flitting, flitting birds, really. And I was very busy at work this week, too. Our, our job continues on uh, yeah. human resources particularly during this time I would imagine that there's you know as everyone's roles are kind of being redefined and, and uh, work uh, loads are being reallocated and people's jobs are being modified and yeah. things like that there's all well, those yeah. I would like to say that this time has really brought to mind for me how creative people can be when put into the place where they have to be creative. I mean, not only am I seeing it at work, but I'm seeing it in the live concerts. I was thinking about you and your concert with Heidi, that it was a step up from the last concert that you did as a joint concert with Marjorie, that you figured out different things to make it sound better, got some different gear um, together, but you're trying to make it as good an, an experience as it can be through a non-audience uh, in front of you kind of method. And that is really interesting for me to watch. 
all of the people who are trying to say, okay, we don't, we don't know what we're doing here. So let's just let's do it, do and it, next and we'll, figure it yeah, out yeah. as we go. Yeah. Because half the time when we, I went to a, a telework meeting, and they were trying to talk about some of the uh, human resources policies that they're putting together, and that they said we're not going to send out the slides for this meeting because it'll probably change next next week, and we don't want people to have all of the things that were old. We want you to go to this website and constantly see what's new. And I thought that was so amazing to think about the fact that people are now saying, we don't know what we're, we're just saying this right now, this is what we're thinking, but next week it might change. And that they, that everybody has to be good with that and not get all freaked out that it's not working out exactly the way that the first set of ideas was put forth. I mean, truly, that's happening all around you all the time, like the fact that you get updates to your computer constantly or whatever, but we're just not as uh, aware of the speed at which it's taking place the way we are right now. True that. And going back to the thing with Heidi and Bob, you know, the the advance, I mean, the my thinking, you know, after Marjorie and I did our, our split-screen concert, I, I realized one day, hey, the person that I'm doing this split-screen concert with doesn't need to be in Seattle. That's right. You know, they could be half a world. They could be, you know, in New York. They could be somewhere in, you know, in another country. As long as we can make the Zoom connection, it's like we're right here. You know, and the idea, I mean, because Heidi and I haven't done a concert together since the Merck Playhouse and Twist probably in the early 2000s. And it's just the idea that suddenly I could do a, a double bill with Heidi, uh, who I've known, you know, for 35 years. It just was just amazing. It was just, you know, I was on, why not? So it was very cool. And it's nice because uh, it's like we're making contact and having contact with people that we haven't seen in a long time. It's like the, doing these concerts, I've got people uh, coming to them who have, told me for years, oh, i got to get out and see you play. And so, you know, yeah. and suddenly, and suddenly they came. Suddenly they came. And the, oh, I had oh, a I wanted to see you play for years. Finally, we get to see you. I've heard you played the guitar and then never not, you know, and stuff like that. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, I had a few friends show up that always said that they were going to come to a concert but weren't unable to. Right. Like Because, I mean, the good in, people yeah. of excellent intentions, they it's not geographically feasible or it's never the right night or, you know, any number of reasons uh, come up. And suddenly, you know, when you're in their living rooms, it's, you know, or when you're available in their living rooms, it's a, it's a different kind of, different kind of whole reality. So it's worthwhile for me to get used to this new way of doing a gig because I can reach people all over the world. You know, if I can, if they know that it's happening and if they're interested, they could watch in, you know, Australia and China and Brazil Antarctica. Yeah, one of the things that is interesting to me is uh, the idea that even when people are able to get together again, which I think will be sometime, um, that this can be a way to augment... So, for example, in your case, even when you're out performing in, in coffee houses again, which I hope will be 
in our future someday. Yeah. <laughs> um, you still could do the uh, this as a secondary thing so that people who can't come or who are in different places can still attend. Yeah. And uh, my Pilates teacher was saying, well, this has given me a whole idea about what I could do when people get snowed in. Because before, people would get snowed in and we couldn't have the, the lesson. But now I'm learning how we could do a lesson when we can't come in because of some inclement weather um, situation. And, but creativity, just like even in my Pilates classes, because, you know, she's basically, she doesn't want you to have to buy anything. So whatever you've got in your house, she's kind of having you take a look around and say, well, what's that over there? Is that a, what is that thing? And, that an oh, ottoman? that's an ottoman. That's well, you can use the, you know, yeah. you can use it for this and that. And that has been an incredible uh, thing to watch how my own living room can become my gym right. when uh when think seen in the right way i just don't see it in the right way i never would have thought of that so anyway. there you go gee did we go down a bit of a rabbit hole in our talk or what was this yeah a, this was long, one long tangent but one of the welcome uh re-entries into our into our world here in the last few weeks as we've been isolating in place uh and social distancing is that uh, our old friend Seth Blair has been posting new videos and songs that I've never heard before up on, on YouTube and by virtue of that on Facebook. And uh, it's been great to hear Seth again. So we wanted to feature a couple of his more recent songs. These are, these are this is audio taken from his YouTube videos. Uh, and you can look him up either on Facebook or on YouTube. It's S-E-T-H-B-L-A-I-R is how you spell Seth Blair. And uh, he's an amazing and completely unique performer uh, with his own kind of sense of syntax and rhythm and musical sensibility, but extremely uh, good at what he does. And he is somebody that I admire uh, immensely because there is nobody else like him. There is yeah. no one else like Seth Blair. And he does Seth Blair better than any, any Seth Blair I've ever seen. <laughs> so, yeah. I have realized in my older years that I have always loved people who are uniquely themselves. For example, yours truly. My, my yours truly? You mean you? You no. are uniquely yourself. That's oh, I'm yours truly? Yours, then Yours truly refers to oneself. Oh, okay. <laughs> then you, you... <laughs> What are you pointing? <laughs> you. Jeez, jeez, quit poking me. She's poking me. Yeah. Well, that's been kind of, you know, I, it always amazed me when I was coming of age as a songwriter. It always, I was always so, not disturbed, but just kind of, I was struck when I would hear people trying to sound like someone else, you know. There was a period of time when Suzanne Vega first made the scene where I heard all of these other singer-songwriters trying to sound like Suzanne Vega. Yeah. And same thing with David Wilcox. When David Wilcox was first on the scene, I hear all kinds of writers trying to sound like David Wilcox. And I was like, why are they trying to sound like the other person? Because there's already one of those. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I, I, I'm also, uh, I feel at this point in my life, surrounded by 
these unique people, people like Marjorie, who doesn't sound like anybody else, and Amy Reed, who doesn't sound like anybody else, Heidi, who doesn't sound like anybody else, Jim, who doesn't sound like anybody else, and, you know. But it isn't just that they don't sound like anybody else, it's that they are so truly, in every way, just well, themselves. Yeah, and they've cultivated being themselves, and they've reached a certain level of maturity with that to where they're just, they're fully in it. And, uh, and when, you, when you hear someone like Seth perform in the unique way that he does, um, you realize this guy's, you know, he's not making any apologies for who he is or how, how he thinks or the way his mind works. In fact, every, everything that comes out of him is like a celebration of the way his mind works. He's like embracing his individuality. Uh, and I, like, I love people who do that. Cats like that too. Wherein they're just perfectly comfortable doing what they do, how they've always done it, and the way that they see fit. That's, I think, is where, what art is about. It's about doing something that's never been done before. You know? It's what life is about. Yeah. <laughs> Did you, does it feel like, you know, we were holding something in and suddenly, you know, you hit record and suddenly... Suddenly, you know... Like Anyway, how about a little Seth Blair? <laughs> Cheapo Cheaper Productions brings us. We're sitting at the window, staring at the morning sun, thinking of the mornings that have come before this one. Some were happy, some were sad, some boring, some intense And all of them were different and none made a bit of sense The days go by and add up to a year And years go by and I'm still sitting here The days go by, I don't know why they do I'm laughing like I understand but I haven't got a clue you know, I haven't got a clue. Now the religiously inclined get those divine revelations, but then they fight a war about the precise interpretation. Like whether we live once or twice or lots or not at all, and who is on the other end when you give old God a call. The days go by and add up to a year, and years go by, and I'm still sitting here. The days go by, I don't know why they do. I'm laughing like I understand, but I haven't got a clue. You know, I haven't got a clue. You know, I haven't got a clue. Philosophies for wise men, and I'm feeling rather dense. So I bought a book about it, all the claim to make some sense. It made the world most logical, took care of every doubt. By chapter three, I laughed so hard I had to throw it out. But then, 
By the moon bright up above, by the devil dark below. It's such a stupid, stupid life, then why am I grinning so? Oh, take me for an acrobat or a puddle in the street. A quarter in my pocket or a fool between the sheets. The days go by and add up to a year. And years go by, and I'm still sitting here. The days go by, I don't know why they do. I'm laughing like I understand, but I haven't got a clue. You know, I haven't got a clue. You know, I haven't got a clue. You know, I haven't got a clue. Got twice as old as the blue sky blue, as the cold wind blows so cold. Friend with the baby, and you hold it still. Sleeps like a clock, ticking out the hours until till light, till love's sweet light, sweet candlelight. Dreaming of a heaven and a saving grace, home and forever, or a mirror and a tired face. Looking for a hand for you to keep in mind. Hope is like a rumor. Look is what you'll hope you'll find. In light, in love's sweet light, sweet candlelight. Not your luck, get a brand new start. Putting all that promise on another uneasy heart. Love is like a candle in a neighbor's window. A friend with a baby, and you hold it still. Sleeps like a clock, ticking out the hours until 
delight To love sweet light, sweet candlelight